0: Feel This with Frank and Jess. Welcome to Feel This, a series of experiential conversations between me, Jessica Olber-Singleton, and Frank D'Amato, where we explore trauma, healing, and awakening through the lens of relationship. What are parts and why are we always talking about them? In the first of our Looking Into series, we're exploring internal family systems. Each episode in the Looking Into series offers an overview on a theory or healing modality we've been influenced by in our lives, and that shows up here And Feel This.
1: Welcome. Welcome to the podcast today. I want to welcome you, the listener. I want to welcome you, Jess, and me, Frank, you, Frank, <laughs> and you, the listener. So just wherever you are, we're just going to take a moment to just connect to, the, to this moment and connect to our senses. Just starting noticing our breath.
2: Maybe noticing our sense of hearing, like you're hearing the sound of my voice, or maybe any sounds in the space where you are right now, sounds in the background.
1: Not going to get too deep into a sense meditation, but connecting a little bit more into the body, bringing awareness down, particularly in and around the heart.
2: It's feeling the heartbeat. And then allowing yourself to experience this moment, experience your senses through the heart. Just imagine the heart as the receiver and all of your senses coming through your eyes or ears or you're through your body and then just traveling into the heart and feeling your response to the moment flowing out of the heart. And it's a little practice of
1: being more embodied in your heart. And at first you might sort of, might have to imagine it. You know, start by just imagining, oh, what would it be like to hear sounds coming into my ears and going into my heart? And then speak and respond from the
2: heart out through the mouth. But as we kind of imagine it, uh, we start to actually embody it.
1: So Welcome. Let we'll me start with that. And maybe we'll start with noticing whatever parts of you are present in listening to this podcast. Or just who showed up to hit play. I'm imagining there was maybe a spark of curiosity, a spark of interest. And that spark, that thing that motivated you, is so absolutely integral to life. So maybe taking a moment here to Be in touch with, feel from the heart, your, what I call, authentic desire, your spark that led you to be here in this moment.
2: All right, we're going to start. Hi, Jess. Hello. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. I personally came in today with more of an agenda than I normally do because the last few podcasts that we've put together and started to put up. I've just been so, I have been, we're going to talk about the word just at some point.
0: Yes,
2: we will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will notice, and I invite the listener to notice all the times that I use the word just, um, because I am really curious about it too. That's a long aside, but I yeah came in with more of an agenda today because I was really excited about the last few podcasts that we've posted. And I'm excited to to do some background to give people a primer on some of the basic assumptions or things that we're working with. So there's that one agenda. However, when I just went and did the meditation and that connecting to the listener and what motivated them, what was that authentic desire or spark and nurturing that sense of spark inside you and inside me. When I went there, there was just so much life. And that other part was like, forget the agenda let's talk about let's go there i want to know actually the real spark that came up was like i want to know what came up in jess when you know mm-hmm. when i uh read that meditation and where jess is and i'm holding both of those energies and i don't i don't have to uh, we could always get to the primer um but we could always not get to it too so <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh check in i want to see where you are
0: yeah It's so funny. Uh, So it feels really good that during all of that, during your check-in or rather during the meditation, and then you checking in around having an agenda. So it felt really good to hear that you were thinking about me during the meditation. I had something I was like, oh, hey, there I am. And my real spark, I I had a, I had the beginnings of a spark during the meditation. I could totally talk about it, but then you brought up the just thing. And I was like, oh man, he went and brought up the just thing, which is something I've been looking at how I say it, where it comes up for me. And uh, I got really excited, but as I often do, I will pull, I have cards that I pull and the cards I pulled before we started are the cards for what does the community build together, followed by the card for the teacher, the teacher parts. Mm. And our inner teacher and how when we hear something that we learn from someone else, it brings up our inner teacher that mm. it's not someone else teaching us something, but rather what brings that up within us and how do we access parts of us that, that know what we know and learn and grow. And so there's something about those that I was like, oh, this really fits with the agenda that you brought. And I'm excited about the potential for a little bit more structure, even though it's hard <laughs> it's hard it's like we're we're breaking the rule of staying truly in the present moment and uh, letting the agenda take the wheel a little So anyway that's what I'm noticing right now.
1: well yeah and I'll tell you my energy feels I definitely have a, a it's it's such a great mix so of the quote unquote agenda and the manager who's like, this would be really good for the podcast for listeners, you know, across time that people would have a place to land and have a a kind of map of the lexicon and, and understanding that parts there, but there's also this authentic desire to do it. Like it came up rather spontaneously from my like excited energy. And it's this really nice place where both sides of the equation, the uh, and we're actually going to talk about this if you don't know internal family systems. So for me, both the managerial side, which is looking at that one that says, oh, this would be really good. You know, we should do this because it would be really good to do the primer. Right. Even though the other side, like what feels good in the moment, is to talk about the jests and everything that's just coming up right now. And that's more of the firefighter side in internal family systems lexicon. So we'll we'll we're gonna we're gonna dovetail and go all the way back to that. But just to say, I feel like this is a great time. I don't feel forced in any way. It feels very genuine and authentic desire to, to move into that space today.
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. I did have a part come forward. I'm really excited. Like I'm genuinely excited. I, I want people to to know this and understand this. And it feels like it's, it's what we need to, have an access point to this for people to really kind of dive in with us and what we're offering in these other podcasts. And then I also had a part that was like, and this is a common part for me. That's like, let's just hurry up and do it. Just hurry up and do it. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so we can play. <laughs> It'll just uh-huh. take a minute. Just, you know, that part's like, yeah. And of course I can have my whole day be taken over by that part. <laughs> and uh-huh. The playing never
1: happens, but. Right. Well, that's a really great space because what that brings up in me is this very wise manager, I will say, (laughs) who is saying, well, let's make it play. We want it to be play. You know, Mm -hmm. we want even this to be play. And then it's like, well, how do you do that, right? How do we do the thing that might, from one perspective, feel like the thing we need to do or like homework or the thing we should do, right? Like, oh, it's it's a little in that realm of obligation, a little bit. And that's a, big, that's a big thing that I hope to talk about in future episodes. And how do we take that energy and make it playful? How do we get into flow, play, flow, right? How do we get into rhythm with life? How do we do both? And that's a big question. So there's an opportunity here.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: actually the opposite. One, one impulse is actually quite the opposite of the hurry up and get it over with. It's actually the slow it down and be in touch with, right? Like really like, wow, wait, what's really here? If we take this one little moment at a time and what comes up for Jess and, and adhering to a new and me and, you know, really, yeah. yeah. And making a lot of space for the moment, right? It's all alive in the moment rather than going into an automatic teacher part that's just gonna check a bunch of boxes of what things I have to name or explain. And open up for the authentic curiosity and engagement in the moment, like what arises right here as we move into it. And I already have like this uh, really genuine curiosity, like, oh, here's the context of how we're coming back to this together is I have done all this training and you've been a client in my practice, right? With my IFS practice. So you've learned IFS through me and it's really an interest and I've learned it through Dick Schwartz and IFS, right? And I've taken in and mixed it with other models and have my own way of embodying the model. So I was already interested in like, oh, wow, what's Jessica's conception of internal family systems? What, what questions if if we make the space to start to flesh it out, I really began began to be really curious about what would arise in you as we talked about it. What would what is your perception of it? And then I get to hear like, oh, that's your perception that you've gotten through your through a lot through my work, from you know, my understanding of it that I've shared with you, and your own mixing it with your own world of work and how you see the world. And so almost like getting to put all these different frames on the table and and connect to them in the moment. And I was like, oh, this is that's that's really fascinating. Like I could see as I picture that, you know, diamonds with all these different facets and the lights just banging through in all these different ways. And be like, oh, wow, there's all these different ways to look at this framework through our two really, you know, beautiful lenses of who you are and who I am. So I'll pause there.
0: Yeah. 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 I gave myself permission. Sometimes I do this and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I do it naturally. And sometimes it's more conscious. It's like I as you were talking, I let myself close my eyes. Yeah, And what immediately kind of- I
1: noticed that,
2: by the way. That was cool.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. (laughs) So what came up was this, I guess, like an embodied memory of the first time I ever learned about IFS, which was from your teacher part coming to a group that I went to. It's called a Wisdom Circle. And it was an opportunity to learn something new. And you stood up and I had met you once before, maybe that, but I didn't really know you. And you stood up and you shared it in a very teacher type of way. Very, there's this and there's this and there, and, but, and then you led us through a meditation and just the spark of excitement of knowing that I had just stumbled upon something that was gonna change things. Mm-hmm. And there's such joy and the awe of the that serendipitous moment. So that was one thing that was really. Hmm. feeling that and feeling the, the joy of that. The other thing that came up was a part of me. <laughs> I, I laugh because I kind of hesitate to name this or some, there's another part that's like, ah, uh, don't say that. That was like, what if we do all that, that you just said, all that amazing diamond business. That's what this part says. <laughs> <laughs> and then the listeners like, wait, what is IFS? The part of me that wants those boxes that wants the clarity Right. Mm-hmm. That's af- af- afraid that if we we do it in a creative way, it's gonna come out like a bit of a mess, and and people are gonna be like confused. I don't believe that that's true, but it was interesting. I guess it was like that part had some anxiety,
2: mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. be with
0: the anxiety,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: That we might try to offer that's and that's that's something I carry in my life yeah. is that I might offer someone something, and they might not receive the thing i wanted them to receive so yeah yeah
1: so much of you is coming to me in my mind with joy like i have a big smile on my face because i'm aware of your part that and we're going to talk about parts in a minute of that worries about confusing the audience and it's such a big energy in you and i so i just noticed that and i appreciate it because it brings awareness of the audience to me. And so it, it's a perfect example of how parts can have some burden. Like there's some, there's something there's worrisome. There's a little fear there. So there's something that can be dragging on your energy or something. I don't know what that's like for you, but there's something that your system's holding around that. And so there's a place where it's can, can have some burdened energy. And then there's also at, at the same time, incredible value to it being brought forward and named and, and what it does, right. Like brings consciousness to our relationship, to the listener and curiosity about that around confusion for you. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm excited. (laughs) Gosh, I loved you bringing that first moment when I taught this at the women within and the wisdom circle it brought my attention to the relational sphere between you and I. It brought my attention to my past, my former Frank. That's a Frank from six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Well, I'm getting up there in time now. Yep. Yeah. And so there's just huge curiosity to, to talk about that. And maybe we could put that on an agenda for the next episode where we, mm-hmm. uh, where we talk about do a primer for authentic connection, but I, I'm going to, go into the teaching mode, if that feels okay with you. Good, yeah. And to name for, uh, for the purposes of this podcast, the major primary we're going to talk about here, the first one is internal family systems, which is kind of the major framework that we are using. And you're hearing us use language and jargon that is born right out of that model. And that's the the kind of map and that's well, one aspect of the map we're using in terms of the individual psyche. But then we're taking that map and we're putting it into this more dynamic way of engaging that I'm currently calling authentic connection. I'm considering calling it uh, Wendy's name, which is radical relating or radical authenticity, radical radically authentic relationships, radical authenticity, which I'm kind of leaning into more and has a, it's a little bit more punchy and it... And it Speaks to its, the radical nature of it, um, which we talked about in the previous podcast of challenging social assum- assumptions. So it's a kind of a two-step primer. This podcast will be focused on internal family systems. The next, we're kind of like taking internal family systems and we're placing it into a relational dynamic of another model. And that's what we'll be talking about here. And that model is more personally developed and it, it uses internal family systems as the primary theoretical it's it's the theoretical aspect of ifs but then we use it in the relational space that it's much less ifs based
0: right and more experiential i think
1: yeah experiential in a different way
0: yeah relationally experiential yeah yeah
1: we'll talk about that maybe Mm -hmm. in more detail but how are you feeling right now jess and listener how how are you time to check in how are we feeling
0: (laughs) I'm feeling excited. Hmm. I'm feeling like that feeling of being at the edge of something. So there's like this anticipatory excitement verging on that part that comes forth. It's like, okay, okay, let's get on with
1: it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, you know, this awareness, this Hitchcockian awareness is coming up in me. One of the geniuses I I learned, I learned from a book or from someone, it's not like I discovered this, but someone said it about his films, which was that one of the geniuses of Hitchcock is suspense is not about not knowing what's what's going to happen. In fact, you do know what's going to happen. The suspense is you don't know when, right? So it's (laughs) the the walking up the stairs and like wait a minute i know when he gets up the stairs he's going to kill this person but when is it when is the last stair right and that's the suspense it's not in not knowing what it's it's you know what's going to happen and you don't know when Mm -hmm. so it's really beautiful and uh so that's a part of me that's like oh this is fun (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> you know it's going to happen, but when? Get on with it! Oh, we're getting there. Just, just
2: breathe.
1: <laughs> Gosh, and there's so many layers or frames. As I just begin to sit and approach, okay, internal family systems, and I as I approach it, there's a lot of frames that I could look at. That which one major frame is like, oh, what does it mean to me personally? But I'm I'll move into that secondarily. First, we're just going to talk about the basics of the model. I want to talk. uh, The one thing I will say is this basic framework that got, once I heard about internal family systems and understood this framework, it was like, everything clicked into me. Like it all made sense. And I just wanted to know more because it was also clear. Oh, and speaking for my parts, which we'll talk about in a moment. In this moment, a little bit of a part who's a little nervous. I'm going to take a moment with him. Yeah, he's younger and I hear him in my mind as I pause and and make some space and listen to him. I listen and I hear the voice inside and I could hear he sounds like 11 or 12 years old maybe and he's a little shy and he's, I haven't done this in a while. What if I don't do it right? Or, you know, I don't do it well or something. And I'm letting him know it's perfectly okay to do it just however we do it in this moment. And I'm checking with him to make sure he feels okay to go on. I'm not going to push past him. Yes. Okay. He was like, you're you, you, you going to do it? And I was like, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Okay.
1: I really like to address the, when I'm teaching this, and it's been a number of years, I used to teach this uh, monthly, free and to the public. I like to talk about the assumptions of the model, which is one of the ways that Dick Schwartz does it. So the one, number one assumption of the model is that the mind, our minds, is actually made up of a bunch of, rather than being one personality, is made up of parts of different sub-personalities. Many, many different sub-personalities, all kind of talking, um, they have different agendas, they have different viewpoints, um, and they often, they can cooperate or they can clash. Um, so I like to, the you know, the most simple and clear way, I, I think that people get this, that so many people in our Western culture could understand. We have different parts of ourselves that wore it out. And so one, Super classic example is the part of us that will say, you know, I really should get up and go for a walk. I should go to the gym. I should, you know, I should put my phone down and do something productive. That's the one part. And then there's the other part that's like, yeah, I think I just want to sit on the couch. Oh yeah. I just want to have pizza. Right? No, I should eat a salad because that would be healthy. Nah, I'm going to have the pizza and then back and forth. It's one of the most simple examples of that, but I think we could all identify with that type of inner battle inside ourselves, right? Does that- For
0: sure. For sure. And can I add something or- Yes, please. Okay. Okay. So as you were describing that, what I know is true in my system, I wonder if this is generally true, that the should and shouldn't parts tend to be more verbal and like- the parts that are like, we're going to do this instead tend to be more action oriented. So it's like, I might spend the entire evening thinking I should go for a walk. And then it's not until I'm going to bed that night that I'm like, I didn't go for a walk. What I ended up doing was listening to my audiobook and puttering around the house or watching a movie, or it's almost like the parts of us that we think we should be like are more forward and conscious. And the other ones sort of just for me, at least take over the system and just yes. end up going into action or not action, depending.
1: Right. Yes, that's a great thing to talk about is what parts that we blend with, what parts do we consider me, right? So we we are under this myth of a unit in this framework. This is one framework, if you believe this framework, which I do, because it mm-hmm. works for me. But if you believe this framework, take it as this, that th- then there is this myth, this false ideology of that there is a unitary self, right? The, the myth of the one mind one consciousness rather than the parts and there is a lot of suffering that comes up in that myth of that one consciousness let me explain that there's a lot of suffering that comes up if we as- take the assumption that's true that the brain is made of multiple parts and then one part of me you know might be angry at you might be saying hey come closer but another part of me is like no intimacy scares me go away right if you have to not if you understand that as parts that makes perfect sense. One party wants intimacy. One party doesn't like intimacy will push the other person away. There's nothing weird or crazy about that. That all makes sense with parts. Now, however, if you need to take a person's behavior and make it make sense as one unitary consciousness, that person's crazy, right? Like, why are you what's, Why are you asking me to come closer and then pushing me away? That's That's mean. You know, I have to judge it because I can't understand it because it doesn't make sense, because I'm trying to force the square peg into the round hole. But then when you understand, oh, there are actually parts that are have different motivations, that's why this person is, or my, me as a person is behaving in a certain way, or they are. part of. So that's one of the great benefits of understanding, opening up to the framework that the mind is made up of parts. And then when we do understand that because of this adherence to this mythology that the mind is actually one unitary consciousness, we also tend to blend with one side of that consciousness to say, this is me and this is not me. So I, and we say, I want to go to the gym, but I just end up procrastinating, right? So we identify with one, we identify with the, the ones that have the higher cultural value be productive, be healthy. Ooh, we identify with that. We say, that's me. And then we disown the stuff that doesn't fit that picture. We disown the parts that want to sit on the couch. We call those lazy procrastinating. Those are the problems. And then you can see a a million self-help books on how to eliminate those bad parts of yourself, which is uh, a whole trope that we are challenging in this model. And we'll get more into that. So that is assumption number one, that the mind is Actually, made up of the, these different parts. There's a sub step, a big sub step that we'll go into, which is the three major categories of those type of parts managers, IFS, they call them firefighters. That's my least favorite name. And then what's called the exiles.
0: I call them soothers.
1: Yeah, you call them soothers. Yeah, that, that's a good word too. So that's number one basic assumption that the mind is made up of these parts. Okay. Number two assumption is that in addition to the parts, there is this thing called, in IFS, we call self with a capital S. It's also called the authentic self. That's a a thing we call too. It's either self or authentic self. And the authentic self energy carries, and IFS uses this idea of the eight Cs, and it just gives you a flavor of the type of energy that self energy is. And it's compassion. These are the big two, compassion and curiosity. When we're in a state of being op- mind open, open-minded towards whatever's coming up in a truly open-minded, curious way, that energy, that's self-energy, when we are open-hearted, really compassionate, right? Really open, really caring, that is self-energy. There's some other sees, there's clarity, confidence, connection right it's very it's a very connective energy i'm not sure if i'm going to remember all of them
0: courage
1: (laughs) courage yeah it's courageous clarity but you're getting the sense of the energy and that is such a, a huge part of the model is so not only do we have what the parts look like but we also have what is the the higher self and the authentic self or self energy. And that energy is the healing energy. That is the, the, the energy that we're looking to access in order to create more in sense of internal harmony. So you have number one assumption, the mind is made up of these parts that are in various states of conflict. And in fact, they function um, in, inside the view, these different parts they fight or cooperate much like a little internal family. Hence the name internal family system. And it works as a system. That's what we call internal family systems. And I'm not going to branch off. I have a mind part going, Oh, we could branch off into talking about how Dick Schwartz discovered it. You know, I don't need to, that's Dick Schwartz's story. And you can go on a million places and hear him talk about how he, how he discovered and, you know, came to. Yeah.
0: The one I with- heard was uh, when Tim Ferriss interviews him. Um, yeah. So that, that was a pretty good primer and, and you can meet get to know Dick Schwartz and more about IFS.
1: Yeah. When my managers get more (laughs) together, we will have all kinds of links for people when we, so people can find about internal family systems and such. So number one assumption, mind is made of parts that function as a little system inside you. Number two assumption that there is, in addition to the parts, there's this thing called the higher self. And that's what we're looking to read. We're moving towards having, being what's called in IFS, self-led or having self-leadership we want to be led from this place of curiosity compassion connection right and we want the to we're kind of reorganizing the system so that the parts aren't quite not quite in control the parts are doing their right role in our lives but they're self-led they're kind of grounded in this self-led energy and then number three for me the the I don't know if they say this, but for me, what I go through is the assumption is that that we could actually do something about the relative state of that internal family system, right? If we take assumption one and assumption two, we put it into practice in by relating to the parts from the energy of the authentic self, it creates more harmony. It be, we can unburden and we can now we'll bring in trauma, how does trauma play into this map? Right? And we'll talk about that. But one, there are parts, two, there is self, three, we can do something. And the thing we do is highly relational and experiential. We can actually talk to these parts directly. And if we talk to them from a place of authentic, true curiosity and compassion, healing will happen. If we connect to them, we relate to them in the moment, we actually have conversations, a direct experience of a dialogue. It could be verbal or energetic, but it's highly experiential. That's the number one thing. It's experiential. It's an experiential model. It's a relational model where we're relating to the parts from that energy of self. Um, And there's all ways to help someone, help yourself or help others access more self-energy, but that's really important piece of it. So I'm going to pause there.
0: Yes, I'd like to actually have a comment. Oh please. Assuming that that's an okay time to throw it in.
2: Yes.
0: To me, what you just described is like such a was a huge game changer for me. I was in therapy for mm, fifteen or twenty years when I met you. Like mm. I'd been in therapy for a long time, and it had been super helpful, but there were just this like gigantic plateau. Because I was approaching everything as like a mental, from the mental, like if I think about it differently, if I have a different yeah. perspective, it will change my reality. And I had just plateaued, I got as far as with, with that as I could,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in that experiential part and relational. And, and I mean, it's just fundamentally for me, has been totally different from anything else I'd done previously and is the thing that makes it different you know, and, and effective and not actually healing rather than this idea of sort of, in some ways, I think normal therapy can be, you have to go back into the trauma and sort of be re-traumatized or something to unpack it. And that just has not been my experience with internal family systems. Yeah. There's a, there's, it's interesting right now. There's, um, there's a part of me that just like, it's pressing forward energetically and it wants people to get that and it wants it so much that it's like it constricts my ability to describe it is what it feels like it Mm. wants that so much that it's hard to even describe it's like oh it's too big it's too big to even express so
1: yeah yeah when you speak for that part so this is a great opportunity to take that model we just laid out and put it into practice a little bit. So one, we can, you're looking at that aspect of yourself, that impulse that you just named, and we can name it as, oh, that's a part of you. And that's why we use that language so much. And I I like to be cautious about that because that could be using that kind of reflexively and obsessively can be a little, can be a little separating. So I'm very cautious about it, but to understand the separation, the space between you and the aspect of yourself that, uh, could you recap it, that is so, wants it so much that you can lose its, its ability to actually do the thing it wants to do. Is yes, that- yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Pretty much. So there is a part there. There's a, you know, we're, we're all in parts all the time and there's a part there, but that part has some kind of energy that we could say might is probably a little burdened, right? Like if it's ineffective in what it's wanting and doing and you could feel it's like, oh, there's, there's probably something there to it, right? And there's one, the value of being able to name it as a part, right? Like, oh, that's a part of you. And I, I know I'm talking to Jess, Jess, the higher self of Jess, who knows she has this part and Jess has her own relationship with that part. And we can talk about that part or we can I'll direct, relate to it more directly. But I already have a map, a little bit of what's on, where Jess is and her higher self in relationship to that part. So it makes me calm, more calm, right? Like, oh, I get that, you get it, right? So the value of naming it, being able to name it as a part in the moment. And then I might be able to demonstrate, we can demonstrate a little bit together what the IFS process might look like around that and how it's relational and experiential, right? the way I begin, right? Like to make experiential, like, okay, can you get a sense of that part? Like right here, right now, Jess, and number one, just to get a consent, right? Does this feel okay to do right now for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So do you have a sense of that part of you that really wants that really wants, and can you phrase it again? what, What it wants? Yeah.
0: So it's coming to me as an image, which is what happens for me. I don't think everyone thinks as visually as I do, but I'm imagining you and I are standing on a st- street corner and we're having this discussion. It's like a public discussion. People can listen some, like, like, like we're buskers
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: um, and there's people walking by and someone stops and they kind of have their head turned to the side and they're listening. And you've just said the part you've said about it being experiential and relational. And this part of me wants to walk up and grab and like, <laughs> grab them by the shirt and pull them in and be like, this is important. Do you get it? And it's so intense that I'm like, I, I, I can't even find the words. This yeah. is
1: great. This is great. <laughs> so it's a great image. So I'm going to say like, I, and for those of you who may be facilitators, I'm just going to talk through my process transparently. I close my eyes with you, Jess, and I picture that image that you're describing and I'm seeing it very clearly. Okay. So there's Jess's part grabbing that that listener by the shoulders and the first thing I want to assess as I see this I want to invite you Jess my client or my my friend whoever I'm doing this with I want to invite you into uh, seeing it with me and I want to get curious at who's seeing it so I'm going to say so Jess you're there we're on that street scene together let's just be there together can you see the part grabbing the person by the shoulders right now is that what you see
0: Yeah. I'm kind of um, switching between being the one and seeing the one, but I can definitely choose to see the one who's doing it. Perfect.
1: Perfect. So that's a great demonstration. There's another term we use in IFS called blending when you become the part. So you're kind of moving in and out of blending, merging, we might say that you're merging with that consciousness and then stepping out of it. And you're kind of moving in between those two. Is that does that feel yep. correct? Yeah. Great. And I want you, the listener, to know this, how we're staying really experiential. This is about what's happening right now. Right? This is not about how that part shows up for Jess in the past or you know in history. It's right now. That's where we really want to get. Okay. So you see this right now. right? Okay. And I see it right now. Okay. Right, and I'm in touch with what I'm feeling. Okay. Here we are. We're in this now together. So just as you stand back and look at it in this moment, this is the key IFS question: How mm-hmm. do you feel towards that part that's grabbing that guy by the shoulder? And I want you to sit with that for a moment before you answer. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to speak to that that question. It's the kind of almost quintessential IFS question um, because it does a, a quite a number of in, really important things. One, it's very experiential and it's relational, and it 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 also will tell me who is looking at this situation? What part is it maybe it's a, it's a kind of evaluation of how much self energy is in me and my client in this moment. Right? And I could ask that question myself, how I feel towards that part. Cause number one, I need to be really open, curious, and compassionate. If I feel judgmental or like, oop, that part's bad or problem. That's going to transfer right. over. like that's not, that's not going to be helpful to the therapy either or the, or the practice. One, That's what that question does. And what's really interesting about that question is just the act of the question, just you asking and me asking you and you asking yourself begins to unmerge you, unblend you from that consciousness. It begins to create the sense of, oh, I'm not that. I have a perspective on that part of me, right? So, so with that, how do you feel right now right in this moment? How do you feel towards that part of you that wants to grab the listener by the shoulders?
0: Yeah, it, it it came as a fairly experiential awareness. It was like the me watching is like doing that thing where you want to look closer. So it's like tilting my head and leaning in Mm. and my eyes get bigger and I feel inside myself like, wow, this is, there's a lot of energy there. I feel a lot of curiosity and I can also see the pain that that part is in or or what seems to be maybe the, the word burden is, is like, less pointed. This person, this, this part I'm looking at doesn't have a lot of options right now, doesn't have a lot of choice. This is taking over the system. And I have a compassion and curiosity for sure about that. Great.
1: So I'm gonna take a breath with that, with you and with the listener. Right. And so from my facilitator part, like that's, that's exactly what we're looking for, that energy. That's what we're kind of testing for. And Any amount of it is good enough to start with, but it sounds like in this moment, you really have a lot of curiosity and compassion towards this part of you is that, yeah, and I can just say that, right? Yes, you're nodding. So Mm -hmm. now here's the important part. So now we've kind of assessed, okay, what? who's here? I feel a lot of compassion, curiosity too. There's a lot of self-energy in the space right now. So the next movement is to express it. So we're going to make it very real and relational. So Jess, I want you to take a moment. I want you to make contact with that part. Now, this is the part that gets maybe weird for people, right? Like, oh, I I can talk about myself, but actually talking to myself gets a little scary. Like, you want me to talk to myself? You want me to express things? And one thing I always like to say is, you know, we're talking to ourselves all the time. Like this, all this (laughs) stuff that's going on, this is happening all the time unconsciously. We're talking to ourselves when we're like, I should go to the gym and no, I want to eat. There's an actual dialogue. So we are already talking to ourselves all the time, the parts are. Now we're doing it just from a more conscious way, right? That's the only difference is we're consciously and intentionally doing it. So what I wanna invite you to do, Jess, right now is to express to the part, like make contact with it, let it know you're here. So let's just start with that first. Just, just see if you can make contact with it and just like, hey, I see you, I'm right here with you.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: And you have a sense that it's able to receive you
0: yeah good. yeah it took a moment to kind of get the the part's attention because it was so intense and focused in this other place but yeah good. it, good. it, it kind of backed up and turned toward you know like i'm saying it that makes it sound sort of weird but she i guess that's mm-hmm. the part that makes it weird it's hard to talk about
2: mm-hmm. and
0: not sound a little nuts but yeah there's a this this part has stopped doing this intense interaction and it's just turned toward me and is like, what, what's up?
1: Great. And that, that where you are right now is such a great place to be too. It's a, such a sign of your internal system and the connection because that place, if you're practicing this, I just want you to know, that could be a really hard place. This is a place where people get stuck all the time. I'll say, is it aware of you? And people just like, ah, I have, it could feel like it derails the process because so often the parts are very used to being in their little silos. They're used to their little bubbles and they're not used to inner conscious awake interaction and dialogue. And it can be unsettling for parts at the beginning. I, I know clients who for it's taken them years for their parts to just even begin to have a conscious inner relationship because they've been so traumatized by relationship that they don't, they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be talked to. They're okay with being, you know, looked at a one-way relationship. Oh, you can talk to me about the part and tell me what the part's doing. The part's in its own little bubble. Like you said, it's doing its thing. It's so busy doing its thing. That's the other thing. We're actually interrupting the pattern in the moment by saying, hey, let's pay attention to me. I'm right here. Let's pause that for a moment. Oftentimes the parts are so compelled by what they're doing so that they, they to look away from it is dangerous. I've got right. to keep all these balls in the air. I'm protecting, I'm guarding. Don't ask me to have a conversation. I don't have time for a conversation. You know, it's almost like someone's a jet fighter and they're on a mission, you know, it's like, oh, let's talk about the Yankee game. Like, give, you know, We're t- going to no. crash if yes, we try that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you can get a sense of when the system is really burdened, how intense this moment can just be. Yeah. For this model, this moment, there's a lot of internal trust in your system because you've done this for a long time. We've done this Right.
0: There's more. a lot of practice.
1: Okay. So now we've got some connection, the parts aware of you, you're aware of the parts. Now I want you to express all that feeling of uh, mm-hmm. compassion, curiosity, yeah. openness, and right. And this is something I always say with 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 my clients. You can express it any way you want. You could express it through words. You could express it through energy. A lot of times, I just energetically send openness, care, whatever is true for you in this moment, the root of it is unconditional love. And just want to say the root of all those seeds connection, compassion, curiosity, is just unconditional openness and love. Uh, it's really the the deep spark of what, what that energy is. But just letting it just express that. So take a moment just to express it. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to comment a little bit on this is one moment, this facet of the inner world the inner work expression right it's a facet of pure creativity oh that's one of the c's creativity of it's just expression it's just free expression so one thing we really want to get in the practice of is just energetic expression of whatever is there right in this case what we're, we're looking for is this self-energy nurturing energy but really expressing that and getting in the mode and the practice of allowing yourself to freely express it. So that's kind of one, one important energy expression that, that's happening right now. So before we go to reception, I want to check what was that like for you just to express it? What, how did you express it? What was it like for you to express it?
0: Yeah, it feels like what is happening is sort of the, I know there are, there's a sense of words, but it's not so much a dialogue. It's more like. If there are words, they serve this sort of like the body language conversation that's happening between me and the part. So the part turns. there's a lot of energy. What? What do you need? you know? And, and I start to just express, I just I just tune in, basically. I tune into what I had been feeling in self, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. which
0: feels like communicating it. And I see that that part's body language change in receiving. So, and then I communicate more of this or from this angle, you know, it's, it's sort of like having a conversation, but again, for me, it's very felt and also can be quite visual because I can imagine it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're speaking to the two kind of important energies that you're moving between. One is the expression I'm feeling that sense of what you feel, what you were feeling, the compassion, the care, the openness, curiosity, and then moving into you can see the impact on, on the part You're, and you can feel it. So that's the receiving energy. So one, getting in the mode of how does it feel to express like that one f- pure form of expression and then we're saying, and then the question I might ask: How is the part? How is that part receiving it here now? What's what's that like for the part? And you can you would say to me, Oh, it's softening. It's you know I could see it relaxing. Yep. Uh, it's feeling attuned to. It's bright. You know all these be- really beautiful things. This is what starts to happen in. I'm going to say authentic connection. There is, and that's my term that I use. That's not IFS, but there is an authentic connection happening between you and the part. And, and this. Which starts with an a true, genuine expression and an opening curiosity to receive how is the other receiving it? All right. And then what is it like for you just to receive the part, to see? So one, you express it, that's one mode. And then you see there's a reaction. What is when you see it have that reaction to your care, what does that bring up in you? What what happens in the feedback loop?
0: It's interesting. I can I can feel like It's funny. What I want to say is that something in me is relaxing with that part receiving. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I'm like, wait, is that still self? Or is that a part Mm -hmm. that was nervous that I, Mm -hmm. but in any case I can feel like, I guess it's like a co-regulation, like Mm -hmm. that idea of just um, they're okay. So I'm okay. And I'm okay. So they're okay. And it's like a Mm -hmm. feedback.
1: Yeah. It's a virtuous cycle. Part of what we're really looking for. So this, this we're really slowing it down, and this is—it's just interest, really important to note. This is another phrase we use in internal family systems. Um, I've learned over the time is slow is fast. The slow—the more we slow this relationship down, and we notice we haven't really done a whole lot here except make contact, express some care and compassion, and notice how you re- how they receive it. Go really slowly. Your nervous system is like really slowing down. This part's nervous system is really slowing down. There can be parts that have an agenda. Okay, let's let's fix this part. Let's get it, you know. And that will all kind of come as we keep staying present to this part, okay? So, so now we've got a good relationship. They're feeling some good connection. It's nervous system's relaxed. Your nervous system's relaxed. See if the part's open to talking to you about what's going on for it when it's grabbing the person. Is it open to, to exploring that a little bit with you? Yes. Great. So just see what it wants to tell you about that, and and we could ask some very specific questions here. Two of the big questions that I ask, and this is uh, talk a little bit to my theory of what's going on with parts, but the IFS theory in the IFS realm, and I'm going to speak just from IFS. They are very. It's a, it's a therapeutic model, so it's looking at what is the part. They're protectors. We call these parts protectors. Whether no matter you know whether they're well, I wanted to get more into the breaking down the theory of of managers and firefighters and exiles.
0: Yeah, this you can do that. You can do a little thing on that. I mean, I think
1: what's important is that there the on the surface level, the parts that we're seeing generally in behavior on the outer world are protectors. There's Managers who are protectors and firefighters who are protectors. And it feels really important to distinguish those. I don't, uh, I'm kind of like, do I talk about that now or we stay with these parts that are coming up?
0: Maybe a simple example of each one would be helpful just so people aren't stuck wondering.
1: Okay. Um, the managers basically are the parts that think about the shoulds. They're the ones who say well, you should go to the gym. What's really important that, to distinguish between the two is managers think about things across time. Managers kind of have the ability to see into the future. In fact, they are f- kind of future oriented. They think about how things happening right now will impact the future. They're also very cognitive. They tend to be more cognitive. They think of things in, in in perceptions and frameworks. And we tend to see ourselves more as the managers. When we were talking earlier, the parts that we identify with, we tend to identify with the parts that are like, I should go to the gym because those become culturally appropriate narratives, like because the culture supports you should be productive and you should be in good shape, right? Those are cultural things that we get shoulded. Cultural management system has those. We adapt those and we tend to say, I am the one who wants to go to the gym and I've got these lazy parts that we try to fix. Right. And most of the time we see managers but people problematize the parts that are the firefighters. The firefighters are much more what I think of what's important to me about them is that they're in the moment. They are very present centered. They know th- what's what right now in the now, what they want and what they need in the now, like I need rest. I need to sit on the couch and eat pizza. Like, cause that would feel good. Now they don't really have connection to time. They, in my sense, they actually really, it's almost like the managers are connected to our temporal lobes. They, they know about time. These parts are just like, we're in the moment.
0: This is what feels good right
1: now. This is what feels good right now. This is what's different to me about how I picture the model in IFS. IFS is very pain-oriented. The question is, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't do this? So there's the one question that I was going to get to. I'm hopping all over, but it'll be okay. (laughs) We'll come Mm -hmm. through this together. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a big question. What is that part afraid would happen if it didn't grab the listener and get them to see this? So what is, and you're speaking to the fear and that's gonna lead us towards what we call the exile, which is the parts that carry shame. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's say ask that part, what's it afraid of if it didn't grab the the listener by, if it didn't get them to?
0: Yeah, the thing I hear first is that, that this person who has a passing interest in what we're talking about isn't going to fully get how helpful They're going to think it's just any old healing model. They won't understand that it's got the potential to be life-changing.
1: And we're going to follow that. And if that were true, if that comes to pass.
0: then they might, at a moment that, that, that we start talking about something that doesn't pique their interest, they might just walk off.
1: Ah, okay. They might walk off. Okay. So take a breath with that. And what then? Jess, if they walk off
0: then their life is just going to continue being full of pain. And
1: and if their life continues to be full of pain.
0: Then I've missed an opportunity to be helpful.
1: <laughs> you missed an opportunity. And what does that mean about what would your system make that? What would that mean about you? If you, you were not able to be helpful to them.
0: Stop me if I, if you want me to do something different, but what happens is very quickly, I jump to what I know to be true in my system which is, I have strong stories about if I can heal other people, I can be in relationship with them and I can be connected with them. Whereas if they're going to go through life in pain, then I have to stop my own healing process to save them so that I can not be, so I don't have to be alone. It's Uh, sort of like this bigger story that I, you know, I'm familiar with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense so take a moment right now and just check that out with the part like that's a story you're familiar with I want to check right. it out in the now does that feel true to the part that it's afraid of being alone that if, if I if you don't help people come along with you if you don't have to get this that you're going to end up being alone
0: yeah I can you know the visual that comes forward is I'm talking to this part mm-hmm. Right. And and we're we're having this moment. As I was telling you, the overarching story that I know to be true in my system, this part is like run off and grab the person and Mm -hmm. brought them back. Uh And is like showing me this person and saying, This is me. This is Uh, me in pain. This is me alone and in pain. Like it's 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 like this part is saying everyone that, that walks off and doesn't have an opportunity to get the healing that this might offer them is like a mirror of the parts of me that are that had, that spent so much of my life in pain that's what i'm noticing yeah
1: yeah so i want you to really let that part know that you're really getting it right now you're really getting it how are you feeling towards that part this is kind of a check in of like what's present for you as it's showing you this in the now how are you feeling towards that part
0: you're just really compassionate, like really mm-hmm. like um, feeling the expression of how important, how how big a deal
2: mm-hmm.
0: this this whole cascade of of interactions that comes from the the source of like pain being isolating. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right and all
0: that comes from that.
1: Now now, Jess, I want to check with you, and I, I think you do, but I want to make it explicit. Do you see in this moment? how this is about your pain, like the part that is wanting to get the listener to not be in pain, it's your part that's been holding so much pain inside you that it's really trying to help. Can you you see that as you're hearing it?
0: Yes, yes,
2: totally.
1: Yeah, totally. So let's make a proposal to this part. Like what if we could help those parts of you that are in pain from the past, who were so kind of confused that that the ones it's trying to protect, what if we could really help those parts in a more direct way, in a way that didn't have anything to do with the listener, but but actually had to, to do with us being able to help connect and heal and really nurture those parts of you, Jess? Would it be open to that if, if that were possible?
0: Yes, it's all theoretical of that part right now, which is funny to say, because you and I have been through this process so many times, countless number of times. Right. And yet it's still... I mean, right. I think that's something important to just say that some of what we're doing here is super familiar and there's things that are not, I'm not struggling with that I did in past, you know, years or times. Some of what's going on is just like, so in the moment that that part is like, I don't even understand what that means. Like right. they're, 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 the only way is to grab people by the scruff of the neck and be like, no, right. <laughs> you don't get it right. Wait. I don't know. You say there's another way. I'm willing to try it, but I, I can't see it. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just stay with it for a moment, Jess, and just really let it know that you're really getting it, really getting where it is and let it know it's okay for it to be exactly where it is right now. And when when just, so, you know, Jess, we're not going to go any further with this process. Is there Mm -hmm. any, anything from this moment, from where you are, where you see this part, anything your system needs from this moment, if we move into just a little bit more talking about this experience?
0: I guess what I'm feeling is like wanting to express to this part that I really get the importance and the bigness of this so that it doesn't feel like we are walking away, preferably that we're just walking down the street and, um, right doing the thing it most fears
1: right But yeah.
0: that that's not what's happening so and
1: yeah t- take your time with that and i'm just going to comment to the audience while you're you're in process mm-hmm. doing that but again this is speaking to the highly experiential nature of this it's not talking about it it's really checking in in the moment what does that part need or whether you need to say to that part before we move on and you had a, a knowing of what that was and then yeah, really experiencing it. Like, go ahead and talk to that part, let it know. And just is having that. So just highlighting the experience experiential and relational nature of of what we're doing here.
0: Yeah, I got it.
1: We're good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, see, okay, yeah. And I could see the smile on your face and like, okay, I know that. All right. So great. Welcome back, Jess.
0: Yeah, thanks. it's funny i had parts that while we were doing that were like in theory this seems like it should feel really vulnerable but then i had other parts that were like this is the human experience this Mm -hmm. is you know like i'm excited to i I don't know if anybody will get anything out of what i said but i'm excited to share it in any case so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah a couple of key ideas So we named there's managers and firefighters and underneath what we call the exiles. They usually carry the burden beliefs in another model, um, which I really like AEDP advanced accelerated experiential dynamic psychotherapy. It's a weird name, but it's a great model. It's a very relational model, but in their model, the core of what drives all of our pain and angst is painful, insufferable aloneness. Um, in IFS, we look at, oh, usually it's shame. And those are highly correlated, the places that we carry shame. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. That's usually those are what we call the exiles. There are parts of ourselves who have taken on these burdened beliefs from our childhood experiences that there's something defective about us. There's something de- defective about the way we love or the way we relate. There's something inherently bad or wrong about with us. We take those beliefs on about ourselves And those are the exiles that carry those beliefs. And then the the protectors are working really hard to keep those beliefs out of consciousness. So for example, so to make this more, those are words, right? Like that makes some sense, but to put it in a more live example, one I like to use, think about as perfectionism. So maybe I, as a child do things, get a report card and I get the message from my parents subtly implicitly, explicitly to varying degrees, my grades are, are not good enough. You need to excel more. You need, I, I got a B plus. Well, why didn't you get an A minus? Why didn't you get an A? And I get the message, what I'm doing, well, who I am is not good enough. I begin to feel shame. And if I don't have a way, like I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, right? I need to perform in some way and I'm not doing it. There's something defective about me. I'm not good enough. At a young age, if I don't have Resources internally or externally to help me process those painful feelings of that, and give me a different way of framing that. I have no choice but to believe that that there's something inherently defective about me. I am not good enough. I am. I am not as good as others. I am not good enough. Does that make sense so far? Mm -hmm. Once that's there, that becomes this really, really kind of poison energy. Because if I'm not good enough, or if there's something wrong with me, well then, and if other people see that. Then I'm gonna be basically excommunicated from the tribe, like I'm not good enough to be, right? It's all relational, like I, I'm not good enough some way. So the system must cover that up. No one can see that I'm not good enough. So how do we go about covering that up? Well, one strategy is I'm going to try harder. I'm going to, I am going to be so perfect at my schoolwork, at whatever I do that no one can find for. I will never have the moment of someone saying you're not good enough. So I will get A's, A, 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 A. Why? Because if I get an A minus or a B plus, that feeling of I'm not good enough begins to arise. And then the system goes into panic mode, right? So the managers are proactive. They try to prevent, they understand time, right? So they understand consequence. So they try to, if I get, a B plus that I'm going to know I'm going to get pain in the future. So I'm going to do what I have to do now. So in the future, I don't feel that pain. One of the typical things then, let's say, okay, you get A's 90% of the time, a hundred percent of the time, let's say almost. And then you get that one B plus. Now here it is the shame. I'm not good enough floods the system. It feels horrible. It feels terrible. That's where the firefighters tend to kick in. And the, those firefighters are like, That's why they call them firefighters, because the shame, this painful feeling in the moment in the now is so painful, we have to, we have to get rid of this pain somehow. And there's different strategies for that. And that could be alcohol and drugs. That could be sex. Usually it's high reward activities that, that can equally flood the system with good feelings. So I get drunk and it immediately makes that shame go away right in the, in the moment, I can dissociate. Dissociating is a a firefighter, quote unquote, activity. It immediately can numb the pain. So the nervous system has this way of taking out the pain that's in the moment. So those are the different strategies that the parts are using as protectors to protect this underlying shame that's underneath it. Right. And so in one model in IFS, everything goes back to shame. I also like the ADP model because every like when I hear aloneness, like that's like right at the root of it too. And those those are highly correlated, those two energies. So I'll just pause there, see if that's what's coming up for you, if that's making yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, it totally makes sense. And just, you sort of said this about disassociation, but just to like bring it, part of me always wants to bring it down to like just the everyday level that if I'm I'm having a stressful day or there's something on my to-do list I feel vaguely avoidant of, I might tend to listen to my audio book the entire day uh, rather than being comfortable with silence. This is a very subtle version of it for me where I know something is off in my system when I can't it's not that there's anything wrong with listening to my audiobook, book, but I cannot turn it off. Mm. Right. So this is just this like very gentle way of noticing where I keep turning to social media and just sort of numbing. So these ways in which we avoid the present moment or avoid what's coming up in us, all these strategies, maybe I'll eat more that day, or maybe I'll sleep longer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It doesn't always have to do with highly intense or addictive responses.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And it does create this battle inside because then mm-hmm. the parts want us to be more productive. And then parts like, ah, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out from the intensity of this fear that's running. My system's running on. If I'm running on perfectionism, for an example, I'm working, 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 trying to get everything perfect, trying to get the, trying not to mess up running on fear, then I get exhausted. And so I need a break from that. So I drink or even just play on my phone. Then the managers come back on the other side and they start, and they might be doing it while you're listening to it. What are you doing wasting your time? What, you know, you could be doing something more productive. This isn't really good, blah, 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 blah. They're starting to shame you, essentially giving your system the message that again, repeating the cycle. That you're not good enough. That there's something wrong with you. You're too lazy. You're lazy. This is your problem. All of this self-talk, which then increases the amount of shame in the system, which then only increases the need to soothe that shame. Which is why you were saying it calls, you call them soothers because they're soothing in the moment, and, they, and then it, it kind of creates this unvirtuous cycle, <laughs> where mm-hmm. you know then we beat ourselves up more, and we need to we need relief from the self shaming we're playing out this pattern of trying to criticize ourselves into being better. Yep. And that is a cultural trope. It's a cultural thing that we learn and it's a complete myth in that it's necessary. Can it work? Can we, can we beat ourselves up into better behavior? Maybe, right? but it's completely unnecessary. And in fact, what I've learned and my life has demonstrated and my clients demonstrate is that by accessing self-energy and being more curious, more compassionate towards ourselves, we learn and grow so much faster and without all of this beating ourselves up.
0: I have this theory that every, you know, there's the whole thing, every action creates an equal and opposite reaction. But in my mind, what I say is every reaction creates an opposite and equal reaction. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if in the moment, which the moment could be a minute or five years, if it looks like shaming yourself into quote, good behavior is working, it's only going to look even worse later. Like it's always going to rebalance in the system Mm -hmm. one way or the other. I just don't believe it's possible long-term to
1: actually make that work. Yeah. No, no. I really love this phrase. The medium is the message. Essentially what that means is Well, it means a lot of things, but one way of saying the medium, the way in which you present whatever it is, is what gets passed on. If I'm trying to shame you into being a good person, the medium is shame the medium becomes the message, right? Mm. I'm thinking my message is be a better person, but really the medium is the message. And if I'm shaming you, the message is shame. And that's what I'm doing. I really have found that you can't get away from that. It feels like a truism to me. Like we are trying to do something. If we're trying to control people in the name of being good, the medium is the message. Control. Control. the, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If, we, if we're, yeah, we're bringing, oh, we want to bring about change through shame and fear, but we're, it's for this higher good. It's for the higher good of, we want to bring social change or we want to bring, a rev, you know, whatever it is, personal shame for this higher good that we're doing this, you know, bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> the medium is the message we end up passing along the way we do it not not the content when this comes back to the conversation well how we'll talk later about the difference between the content and what's underneath and the importance of that we often think yeah i'm trying to get this message across with force god loves you so you must believe that whatever whatever that message is that we're trying to force onto other people what we're really conveying is force mm-hmm. and that's what people are taking in force for it's about force I wandered off the path a little bit there. Maybe, I don't know, but I'll check in what's coming up for you here in this, in this now. Let's check in here.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I felt the, I really felt the value in what you were sharing mm. and then I got curious. I was like, where are we? <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: What's next? But that was more like time manager. That was like, have we talked about all the things? Cause now we're kind of, Ooh, we're kind of getting to some of these interesting side paths. So yeah, I was curious, what are the main path might still be left?
1: Yeah, I think we've given a pretty good map of internal family systems. There are a ton, a million things of detail, especially if you're working with the model as a practitioner, that's way more in detail that we. I'd love to get into because I have such a wealth of knowledge and experience around that. I've been practicing this model religiously i'll use that word and faithfully for seven or eight years now and it's the way i live the world but for the terms of this podcast all of that is not quite as necessary we're not going to be doing a lot of deep in parts work there'll be little moments of like maybe we'll connect with those parts in the moment experiential
0: can you you have talked about it in at least in, in my listening a roundabout way can you talk more pointedly about exiles
1: Yes. Did yeah. you,
0: I mean You were talking about it, but I don't know if you named this is what the exile is and where it fits in.
1: Right. The, well, the exiles are usually very younger parts of ourselves who I like to think of them as the parts of us that they're encoders, like they take in the world around them. I think there's something very natural about us as when we're children a need to imprint the world around us to understand what's happening the one in me, the exile is the one in me who has taken on the burden belief that he's not good enough, that he needs to do more. Yeah, let me speak for this. Part of the burdened aspect of me coming to this podcast is a part of me who believes I need to be recognized. That's actually the protector. The the protector is, the protector wants to get me recognition, right? So, If I do a podcast and I get lots of listeners, people, oh, it will, it will make me feel recognized. Okay. Right. So that's the part and that's the protector. So what's underneath that is the belief that I'm not seen. I don't matter. That comes from my childhood that my dad was like totally in his world. He did not recognize, I mean, no shame or blame on my dad. He just was in his parts. Right. And he did not recognize my inner world when I was a kid. He just didn't. And there were parts of me that felt unseen, unvalued and unimportant. Those are the burdened beliefs, those young exiles. are like, my dad's not paying attention to me. I must not be worth paying attention to. I must not be good enough, okay? Because I'm not being noticed, being attuned to, not being paid attention to. So that belief inside me, that young one who believes he's not worthy enough of attention because there's something about him that is not worthy that's the exile right that's he believes at some level that he's not good enough not worthy of being seen the protector then wants to fix that he wants to he wants to create a world for me in which i will never have to feel like i'm not being noticed and so he wants to make the other outside world in accordance so that i feel like i'm getting noticed okay so the way this shows up for me is if i notice peers other facilitator peers begin to get noticed, I start to feel that part of me is like, I'm not being noticed. There's something wrong. Something's wrong. We, we've And then the system moves into action. We've got to do something to get noticed. Okay. I've got to do a podcast or I've got to do something. Like, I, you know, I want people to know, you know, whatever. There's some parts like I've got to, something is not right about the world. I need to fix it. And they're going to, now the degree to which, now I can name all that i take a breath with it. I can name all that and name that is not the only reason like I'm here. Yes. There is a, a small aspect of me that that's part of what is afoot here for, the, for my system. My higher sense is I want to engage with this podcast because I find it so much fun. And in the process, I want to get to heal and know those parts of me who are carrying those burden beliefs. That was I tried to give a real personal example, something really live in the moment. That's here. Did that I hope that was clear. What 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 came to you as I said that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What came to me was a couple of things. One was the the awareness that, that you may have already totally talked about all of this, but somehow in my mind we hadn't pointed it out. So I had a moment where I was like, oh, I shouldn't have asked. But then I appreciated it because it's a different example than when we worked with my parts, the exile that was afraid of being all alone and the manager or the, the parts that came forward very intensely to try and fix that. And there were similarities between your example and mine, even as there were also differences. Mm-hmm. And that just felt very useful to point at and, and name. And it felt vulnerable. I don't know if it felt vulnerable to you, but like part of me was like, what people who are new to this may not understand is that we have endless numbers of exiles. I mean, they may all share a certain flavor, but there's lots of them. And the fact that you're aware of this exile means that this exile is not the one doing the podcast, even though it right. may be involved in doing the podcast, right. it would be the lack of awareness that might be, you know, the thing that would drive one, but if you're naming it, then it's already has self energy around it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you naming that just brings up, yeah, this is not from the part of us that thinks, okay, we've got to, you know, we might want to try to perfect ourselves and could have a part that's like, I'm not going to engage unless I'm doing it from this totally higher sense self place. And I I have no quote unquote selfish or less, (laughs) um, less than ideal self motivations. That's not realistic. And it's not human. These parts of us are, they're present. They're engaged in our lives. We don't need to wait until we're in some type of higher state self before we engage with life. We want to engage and be aware as it's coming up. This is a living dynamic as I'm going through this process with you, with the podcast, it's why I do it. I I call my YouTube channel Living Therapy because it's healing through living. I'm living my life, I'm engaging with this, I'm seeing what parts come up, I'm engaging with them, I'm caring about them as they come up and I'm being present to what's here it's part of fully engaging with life by fully embracing the parts of me that are present and engaging with me and making that okay. And it's really what makes it okay is like you said, it's the awareness. It's the presence to, with what is we're never, we're never going to be in some kind of like idealized perfected state of humanness. The only idealized state of it is to be okay with our humanness and all of it as flawed or as, off balance as it is to be in a state of like, oh yeah. And that's okay. It's okay that I have this part that wants to have some type of notoriety. That's okay. I just don't want to be driven by that. I don't want that part to ever trample my relationship or my respect for others, my, or my respect for myself, my respect for my deeper values, which are healing and to get to know those parts of me to help them. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 All of that feels good. And I guess I'm just naturally kind of like checking in and reflecting on what it's been like to make this episode. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: What I'm noticing is.
1: Can you hold that for a moment?
0: Of course. Of course. Absolutely.
1: I feel this call to recap the importance of what we shared here today for the podcast, which is to have a sense in yourself as you're listening to the podcast, of what it means when we talk about this part of me, why we're using that word part. I like to sometimes, if the word part feels odd to you, you could interchange it with this aspect of yourself, this energy in yourself, that's all fine too. And maybe even a less separatist way of, of naming these energies or par- aspects of ourselves. So that in the podcast, we'll be saying a lot like, oh, there's this part of me that feels this right now, this aspect of me that's happening right here. And the importance is that we're beginning to practice having this space between myself, the one who is curious, compassionate, spacious, aware, and the aspects of consciousness, the material of consciousness that's rising into the present moment. So what I'm doing right now, hopefully, is bridging us from IFS and the idea of parts and what's underneath those parts into authentic connection and radical authenticity, which is a relational space you and I, Jess, will be entering into in this podcast where we'll be naming those aspects of consciousness as they arise into consciousness. And we really want to, as much as we can, stay in the perspective of, ah, witnessing and engaging with what's arising in the material of consciousness, not getting immersed and lost in the parts, but really considering it, seeing it from the space around it. I'm going to use this metaphor really briefly, but I like to think of self and parts as a theater. <laughs> so you're at the theater and you're watching a play. It's a really good play. It's dramatic. It has victims, and it has perpetrators, it has rescuers, it has all the conflict, it has all the beautiful drama of life on the stage, right? The actors and the different parts, they're literally in parts, those are the parts, the parts they're playing out, the different parts, and they're having conflict. To me, the self-energy is the actual theater itself. Self-energy is the space that everything arises into. And imagine the theater also as if the theater loves the play and loves the actors. It's there to create this warm, inviting environment for those parts to fully come into themselves and to know themselves and to heal and to grow and to change. What is kind of another way of looking at the uh, figure and the background, right? Like the fig, the parts are what come into consciousness. And the self is the space that sees it, that holds it, that loves it unconditionally, that allows it to come into play and can relate to it from this spacious place. That's how I energetically feel into that. And it's that self-energy is completely non-dualizing, meaning it, it has no judgments about what arises into it as good or bad. It cares. It can see things that need attention and things that need some healing or that there's just a call to it but it doesn't have any judgment. It holds everything with unconditional love. Everything that arises into it, it loves unconditionally. Wanting to bridge the next podcast that we do as a primer, which will be about taking these underpinnings of IFS and putting them into a relational space that Jess and I will be using and modeling in the podcast throughout. End rant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, There was something you said toward the end. I... I have an, a close but slightly different version of how I envision how these parts play out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one I th- thought of two things um, that are a little different than the theater idea. One, no one ever gets killed off, <laughs>
1: yeah. which is an
0: important part for my yeah. system to realize. Uh, like yeah. there are no bad actual bad parts.
1: There are no bad parts.
0: Some get to go into retirement. Some be, you know, get to get new jobs. The same, you know, energy, and they get to know the wisdom of, of what they were going for. Blah blah blah. There's no actual bad guys. Nobody gets killed off. The other is that it all plays out, and I think this is how our podcasts end up being: is more like having a dream where it doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to really, quote unquote, make sense. I mean, it makes sense. It always makes sense, but it's not necessarily logical. It's not necessarily linear. And in the moment, being connected to our parts might mean one is really strong in one moment and then gone for a month like nothing, depending on how you're interacting. Mm -hmm. And that sense of it sort of coming into being and out of being moment by moment, that there's no real control that we have over it. It is alive and happening in exactly the way it is meant to happen moment to moment in this Mm nonlinear, evolving way. Mm -hmm. The whole of what you just shared is, is a nice lead into what I was about to share a moment ago, which is that doing this podcast has felt somewhat, it's felt less satisfying than our normal podcast because I have been bringing myself out of the moment and more into a theoretical or logical place, which has been the place I've lived most of my life in, but I have missed the nourishment that I normally get out of allowing myself to be super connected to myself and to you and not so much connected to the information that I want to share. Even though I know the value of that, it it hasn't felt as quite as good. And, And then I had a part that was curious, like maybe one day I'll be able to do all that. I'll be able to share specific information and still stay in that nourishing in the moment connected place
1: too. Mm, yeah. I'm noticing hearing you in the moment, um, just a, um, some sadness, like, Oh, because what happened in my mind is you named that. And I took a pause. What happens often inside me is like an internal checking. Like, Oh, how does that feel for me? Is that true for me to some degree? And it was not. I felt very, I feel really alive. I feel really in touch with what I'm feeling. I think there were a few moments where some energies came up that I, my parts chose not to speak to because we had this slightly higher agenda to flesh out the model. So there was just a couple of moments of, "Mm, no, let's not go down that path but there was a sense of that felt okay. And I felt connected. I just felt really connected to my body as I was going. So there was the sense of like, oh, I, I didn't have that experience. And then a felt sense of some gap between my experience and your experience. And that's when the sadness came in. Like, oh, it's a little different. And I can sense in the part, what it imagines is distance between you and I, which is the sense of sadness. In myself, so again, as you practice this, you listener and you, you, me, you really get to be able to sense the difference of how the part perceives things, that sadness. The part has a belief that, oh, we need to be on the same page. We have to feel the same things to be connected. But in myself, I'm like, this is okay. It's it's fine that Jess is having that experience. It doesn't mean we're disconnected or distant, just we're having a slightly different experience of this now. So there's, and I could, feel the difference of perception between the part and myself. And I can have an experience of, of allowing for both of those at the same time. I can have compassion, and understanding for maybe the younger part of me that wants my friend to feel the same thing I feel so that we're on the same page. We're, we're in unison. It has that idea of connection and that felt sense of connection. It really likes that feeling when I feel excited and in flow and you feel excited and in flow, but in myself, there is, under knowing and a deeper knowing. And I can feel that deeper knowing as it kind of calms in my system that actually difference and being able to connect through difference is a kind of, I'm going to say like a higher form, not to be too hierarchical, but it's a different level of connection to be able to, Oh, that's your experience. This is mine. And we're, and we're still connected. That's a really powerful place.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could feel like as you were describing that, an awareness that, oh, I I came into this on some level, at some point a part came up that didn't trust. And maybe for good reason, I, I don't know, but just an awareness of a part of me that didn't trust that I could teach something and stay connected. And it's interesting then without real judgment, but more with curiosity and compassion, I get curious of like, if I, if that lack of trust is what created the disconnection, Mm-hmm. Or if the lack of trust was an actual pointing toward, this is something you've never done before, so you don't know how to do it. Or curious of how not being conscious of that part and having a moment with it maybe affected the experience, but also being really grateful, glad in my system that I can look at all that without a that sense of judgment that it would have brought in in the past. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, oh, well, that's interesting.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. What just came up just now as I was listening to you, I uh, had this little part of me that was like, oh, it knows your teacher and knows how good your teacher is. You've told me so many stories about, and I felt it in our space here, about how you taught yoga. And th- it's so clear from, from the stories you've told me and how you have presented yourself, how you have taught things, that that is patently untrue, that you... Meaning, the statement that maybe I can't be present to myself and teach. Oh, like I just had a part that brought forward, like, Jess has told me a dozen stories where it was in every one of those stories, it had to be true that you were in touch with yourself while you teach. Like, you could not be responsive to your students in the way or responsive to their needs if you weren't attuned to yourself and others to some degree. That was the part that said that that can't those two that can't be true. Therefore, and I'm not hold on to this belief, but this is what the part is saying. Therefore, there must be it must be more about a part of you, like you were saying, that doesn't trust, that doesn't see that is already happening, that you already have that access. From my perception of you, I don't know what's true, and who knows what's true, and whatever that even means. But from my perception. It definitely is more the former than the latter, meaning I don't think there's anything about you actually disconnecting other than this internal, not trusting part of you that then gives you the felt sense that you're not connecting, but it does seem to be true from the outside to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And just kind of, I I find myself, I'm not going to get into it, but just that sense of reflecting on this is a larger theme in my life right now of letting go of a certain level of conscious control of what's happening and trusting the somewhat chaotic feeling space of creativity Mm. and trusting that when i enter into that space even though i may lose some of my perspective and my control that what comes out is actually a a product that has value yeah
1: Maybe we can take a breath together. You, me, the listener is noticing what's the predominant energy in you in, in me and you, the listener, you just, as we wrap this up.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely feeling um, a sense of excitement at the part of me that says, these are the things we need to do. To get this podcast out in the world, I'm like, holy cow, we just did one of them. And yeah. That's what it feels really exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that excited part too. Oh yeah, we we did the. I mean, this is such an important thing for my system. This balance between things that feel I named earlier obligatory, you know, and this this leans into. A, we've talked. Oh, it would be really good. We should. It would be really good if we did this little primer basics. And that lands in like, oh, homework for some part of me. Like, oh, my home, you know, I got to do the homework. I don't. That's not as authentic. It's not as sparky. It's not as you know, blah blah blah. And uh, I'm sitting in the joy at like both today. I feel like we really entered into that space of both for me. I I really feel it in myself. Like my manager parts are like, good job, we check the box kind of thing. But my my pleasure centered parts, the ones we call firefighters and ifs but more of like, this feels really good. It, I hit that note of what's best in the long-term, doing the thing that's best for the podcast, in this case for the long-term, and what feels good in the moment is is resonating. It's like, almost like you strike two bells and they, they're in harmony, right? It's really good feeling. So I'm like, mm. I'm there. And I heard that there was a little bit of dissonance in your system, a little bit of like, oh, I, I wasn't quite as... Something. There was some dissonance and that's good too. Like I'm thinking of my musical parts are like this dissonance sometimes is like exactly what you need to kind of resolve in the next chord, you know, you have to have some dissonance to, to, to create the resolution on the next chord. So um, yeah. Anyway, the power yeah. of discord.
0: Yeah, that feels good.
1: All right. Thank you everyone for joining today. Check out the next primer, which is going to be more taking the IFS into the realm of authentic connection and radical authenticity, which is what we're practicing throughout the podcast. So see you next time.